Body image in dance, specifically ballet, is and has always been an issue. I know that changes are being made, but you can't rewrite history, and it has affected many dancers over the years. I had the absolute pleasure of talking about this and many different issues with former principal dancer with the Birmingham Royal Ballet, Dorcas Walters. Dorcas was one of my absolute favourites before getting into the Royal Ballet. I would watch her repeatedly and I would just copy her on the TV all the time. She trained with Elmhurst Ballet School, the Royal Ballet School and Merle Park. Her career came to an abrupt and somewhat traumatic end. It was both interesting and very upsetting to hear. An 18-year career just over like that. Dorcas has, however, bounced back and is now a fully qualified gyrotonic method instructor and talks about the benefits for dancers as well as non-dancers. She was also a dance fellow on the CLAW Leadership Program, which is an arts leadership development program funded by the Arts Council and other members of the arts world. Dorcas also discusses the difficulties in finding a job in the industry during the recession. An amazing chat. Let's go. So you were a student at Elmhurst Ballet School, Mill Park School, and the Royal Ballet School. What was your experience? Well, I went to Elmhurst when I was 11 because I didn't get into the Royal Ballet School. And I did kind of all the, I auditioned for all the big, other big ballet schools, basically. And we chose Elmhurst. Um, and I really wanted to go to boarding school. I'd read all the um, Mallory Towers and St. Clair's Enid Blyton books when I was little and I just thought boarding school was going to be a big hoot (laughs) so I really wanted to go to boarding school and when I got there I I actually got quite homesick but I felt like nobody at the time at Elmhurst really took ballet very seriously oh really yeah it was the most of the people in my class were never going to be ballet dancers right and it was a bit kind of like the teachers didn't really take the ballet seriously. So they, a lot of them went on the stage, mm. but they didn't become ballet dancers. And I was really focused on, I wanted to be a ballet dancer. And so then I, in the holidays, I would have private lessons sometimes with my old teacher. And she quite quickly said to my parents, Dorcas is losing her technique. You need to take her out of this school. Wow. Um, and I think I probably kind of agreed because you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't really very happy with how things were going. Although I made friends and I liked being at the school. So I came out of Elmhurst after a year and I went to one of the private schools that I had also done exams for at the same time. And the headmistress was very accommodating at this school, Putney High School. And she was like, you know, she can miss hockey, she can miss RE to go and do extra ballet classes. And and so I did that and I went after school to Mel Park's Ballet School in Chiswick, which was really small. So it was a really different atmosphere. There were like probably maybe five of us in in the class. It was really small. It was a very small studio as well. And we had Shirley Graham and Mel Park and Tanya Fairburn teaching us. And they were all fantastic. And I kind of felt like I was really getting somewhere. 
with those classes, but it was knackering, you know, for a 12-year-old. It was quite a, an academic school, so we had loads of homework. And I, my life just consisted of school, homework, ballet, bed, and that was it. You know, I didn't meet friends after school. I didn't do anything else. And I really I take my hat off to anybody who does that for the full kind of five years because I don't think I could have managed. Oh, well, something would have given, probably my schoolwork would have given <laughs> in the end. Yeah. But I was just, I was so kind of dedicated, you know, that I really put everything into my schoolwork as well. So I found that quite stressful, actually, that year. And then towards the, I guess, the middle of that academic year, Merle Park told my parents that the others were auditioning for White Lodge for the third year at White Lodge. The other people in the class had not previously auditioned. Um, and she suggested that I might want to re-audition. I had, when I was, a, when I was 10 or whatever, when I first auditioned, they told my ballet teacher that I was too short and stocky and I would never be a classical dancer. Wow. And mm. that's why they didn't take me. Um, and so my parents understandably were a bit reluctant to put me through that again. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. what if she's rejected again, mm. what's that going to do to her? Because at the time they had said to me, you know, look, if you still want to do this, then fine, we'll find you somewhere else. You know, we'll, we'll help you do that. You don't have to listen to them. And that was a good lesson yes. from them, you know, that people that tell you these things aren't always right. Mm -hmm. And, and I immediately, it was suggested, I was like, yes, I want to audition, you know. So we all did um, the audition again. And I think by then it was only like three of us that were auditioning for that, for third year. And we all got in. And interestingly, all the people that they had taken from junior associates age 10 had been chucked out by then. That just, so, I mean, yeah. that just proves everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think my dad gave... <laughs> the headmistress quite a hard time when they gave me a place because he was like you rejected her when she was 10 you know and you told her she'd never be a dancer what's changed she's still the same person we always knew that she really wanted to do this you know <laughs> the poor woman she's like well she's she's grown a lot you know and it's like, just makes so. us yeah because, because it should be about the dancing yeah you hear yeah. time and time again yeah and of yeah. course you know you're 10 short and stocky well you're not going to be that height well, when you're an adult of course you're not. <laughs> I mean they do do all the kind of they used to I don't know if they still do they used to x-ray your wrist to see how much the bones are growing mm -hmm. together and predict yeah. your height and to be fair they were spot on with my prediction right. but you know there's just more to it isn't there I mean yeah. to be fair they were right I I was too short and stocky <laughs> and it was always a problem but I really wanted to do it, you know, so I was motivated. And I wasn't the only short one, you know, like, yeah, yes, I, I was kind of always <laughs> the smallest, but only by a tiny bit. Just meant you were always front row. Huh? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Um, and so then I went to the Royal Ballet School, um, but I couldn't be a boarder because they didn't have enough dormitory space. Right. And my parent, we lived in Richmond, Twickenham. Fair enough. Right then they were like, you have to be a day girl. Yeah. And that was horrid because I was the only day girl. Oh. So everybody else kind of had fun after school and I missed out on it a lot, you know. And I would beg them to let me board, which they finally did in fifth year. 
Um, so I guess because they chucked some more people out by mm. then. Um, uh, so yes, yeah, so I did. I did board finally, and then of course we all auditioned for the upper school, and not everybody got in. It's it's a uh, it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, I I didn't get in. Um, I auditioned when I was fourteen, and then again when I was 30, sixteen, yeah, and yeah. and got yeah. in. So it was, yeah. you know. But they are they're constantly sort of assessing you. Are you right? And aren't you right? And what are they going to do? And and it can be quite cutthroat at times. And it totally is. Yeah, I guess but, that was me putting a mile. <laughs> but, but it is, and it's sort of you can understand that it is because it's a really hard career, and only a few people are really gonna make it and have a career. And I suppose the one of the reasons they're looking for the right body, theoretically, is that you're less likely to injure yourself if you have the right kind of facility. But, you know, a lot of the time it's really just about shape and insteps and long legs. And, and, and interestingly, they, what my dad always complained about was that when they rejected me at age 10, nobody had actually talked to me to find out anything. You know, like they don't, there's no element of interview about these auditions. They're purely going on what they see in class. So what they miss out on is finding out about mm. motivation and maybe weeding out those people who've just been shoved into a ballet class. It's probably not practical for them to interview all the kids. Um, I don't maybe there's safeguarding issues, I don't know, but I just think they what they don't find out is the the motivation. Yeah. Because I guess so, you could dance with passion because you're really enjoying the steps or the music, but that's still not enough of an indicator as to what's really going on mm. in the inside. And if someone has extreme anxiety problems, like are they they're going to need a bit of extra attention? And it is it's that whole treat everybody the same, yet everyone is so so different. Yeah. And because it's all about how you dance. They're completely missing all the different personality types. What's making someone motivated? You know, some people, they want the tough love. Me, no. Yeah. I, I need, yeah, I like to be criticized. It's the only way you can improve, you know, but it doesn't have to be, that was rubbish. Do it again. Yeah. What was that? That was, that was yeah. horrible. That, that only works all, for a few people, yeah. really, that kind of treatment. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's better now. Is it better now? I like to think it is. Yeah. Um, but I don't know whether the ballet world has done that much to try and work out what they have to do to make it better. So yes, there's an acknowledgement that you're not supposed to bully people, yeah. but how do, you, how do you train teachers to find, to not just repeat the way they were taught, mm. to not repeat the abuse that they suffered. Maybe it worked for them. And so they think, you know, this is, it's a tough career. You've just got to be tough, uh -huh. sink or swim, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's an artistic career and there's more to it than just being tough. And I don't know whether there is enough training for, I, th I feel like every, ballet teacher should have coaching training yes. because when you train 
as a coach, as in a life coach, mm. you have to examine language and means of communication. Yeah. And it's really revealing. Mm. Um, yeah, because there, and, there were times when I was stood at the side feeling nervous about a step and they're going, come on, Candy, instead of, you know, if they were to have mm. that training, they would go, oh, something's bothering her. Let's find out what it mm. is. But again, do they care enough to explore that? I, I, there's a few jobs and lots of people that want them. And so they can afford the wastage, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess it's good because otherwise I wouldn't have a future job to go into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is, yeah. there is that. I know. So the, the whole um, short and stocky thing, did, was that something that, that went away, you were accepted and it was all about your dancing? What happened? No, never, never. It would, no, that followed me my whole career, really, all the way. Through. I mean, it kind of, so I did, I had grown just before I went to White Lodge and I kind of got a bit longer, you know, but as we all know, that's doesn't, growth doesn't happen like that. You know, you kind of, growth out and up, spurts, out and up. Out and, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of. and and I remember at White Lodge kind of getting a poke on the bottom by one of the teachers and her going hmm. getting a little bit big <gasps> um you know well now that's sugar coating it yeah, <laughs> oh my so, gosh <laughs> um you know so yeah it was there all the time and of course zero nutrition education you know, they're just nothing mm. really. I mean, the food wasn't even very good at the school. So, oh. and same at the upper school, we, we all saw, um, how the favorites were the people who had the very long legs and were very slim. And when I starved myself to get thinner, I always got praise about how I looked, you know? Mm. So so how did that make you feel? I don't know. Um, not sure I ever really thought about that. Like, I just, I was so, I wanted this career so much. I really would have been prepared to do anything. To, and you don't think long-term at that age. No. Um, I, didn't, I didn't understand about what starvation does to your metabolism. That was something I discovered later uh -huh. in life and kind of went oh, okay I messed that up then <laughs> you know um but and it and there's something empowering about you know feeling like you're getting that kind of body that is praised and looks better and you know and yeah it's gonna get yeah. you places and you get cast and you know uh and I think it was only really a few years so several years into my career so we used to have an interview with the director every year at the mm -hmm. end of the year and every year he would talk about my physique and what was wrong with it and how much he liked my dancing but what was wrong with my body mm -hmm. you know um and so you know I would I was constantly kind of starving myself and then you can't keep it up you can't do that constantly and manage to dance so you yeah. do it for a bit and you feel good and then you eat again and then you feel crap and you you know Aww. so it's, it was round and round really. yeah um until I started to educate myself um and started to really kind of realize that I couldn't keep this up yeah you know I, yeah. this was no way to kind of 
continue. I started and there was more was being talked about in the ballet world at this point about nutrition and appropriate diet, you know, and I did eventually say, okay, enough. I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm going, I'm just going to try to be healthy. Mm. Um, but all they really care about is the results in the end, you know, yeah. so they don't really care how you do it as so long as you achieve the results. And it's a really, it's a really hard thing to, to hear and experience. I mean, I, I didn't see it firsthand and I, I mean, maybe they were just hiding it really well when I was at the school. I didn't see anyone really with eating disorders and I, no one really talked about the fact that they were getting poked or told to lose weight. I, I, didn't, I, don't, I, I don't remember yeah. it, but maybe they were being very, very quiet no, about it. we didn't it. talk about it. Right. I don't remember it being talked about other than people would kind of say, you know, you could see people looking in the mirror and looking at their bottom and kind of going, you know, you, you, you mm, see it. Yeah. But we didn't talk about it. So I think the people who don't have that issue don't know, don't know what's going on. They yeah. don't know what's happening with their friends at school and what they're being told. Feeling very obli- oblivious right now, you know, sorry to all the people that probably were struggling and I had yeah. no idea. No, but I, you know, that's yeah. something I've discovered in later years about people I was at school with. Yeah. Um, you know, that you discovered were unhappy and you didn't realise because we learn as dancers, we learn how to put a front on because oh, that's we what do. performing is. Yes. You know? Um, yeah. When do you stop performing and actually exactly be what's really going on? Yeah. And what's horrible is you were getting praised for the starving. So you're like, well, this is kind of what I have to do. And it really was a testament to how much they actually care about you looking the part over mm being a good dancer because yeah. surely you would have seen the difference between how you dance when you were starving and then when you're eating healthy I don't know I do remember at school having kind of really restricted my eating a lot and feeling weak mm. because of it yeah and something kind of clicked I kind of went okay this is I really can't keep doing this mm. you know yeah um I mean mostly it was the work that, you know, like when I was doing a lot of work, mm. that was when I was able to kind of look, look okay and eat reasonably well. Um, yeah. And it's the problem was when you get told, you know, oh, I can't put you in that because I mean, I got told that it was, it was, it was very erratic as well. So one minute it's like, I can't put you in a tutu. I don't want you in a tutu. I I don't want you. Oh my gosh. Um, Then the next minute, you know, it's a leotard and tights ballet and you're not in it and you know, it's because, you know, it's like, and then suddenly you are in the, you know, it it was erratic, but yeah, I mean, that's when I, when I, when I was at my best was when I was just doing a lot of work and then the fitness kind of happens because you're working hard and doing a lot. But usually the reaction is, was always to take people out of stuff when they were too big. So then how do you lose weight when you're not doing anything? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's (laughs) the most awful punishment a dancer could possibly have. Yeah. And it's, and it's 
the opposite end as well. Like people will take people off for being too skinny. Think, yes. And yeah. then and then too big, too Lord, big. In perfect. in their opinion, not too big. Like <laughs> really not. But it's yeah. sad. I mean, like I I remember watching you and you know I'm a I'm a big fan, big Dockers <laughs> fan. And I was I was fifteen years old and I would play Capalia on the TV and then I would just like, you know, shimmy across and be like, I was pretending to be you. <laughs> and I just all I remember thinking was how powerful and how springy you were, but how effortless you made it look. And that was the point. I was just like, and it was your arms, the most beautiful arms. And so that was, I was copying you mm. because I was convinced that if I could dance like, like you and be effortless, and mm. I did get into the school and it was because I was trying to be like you. So, it, I, I mean, I, I hope that... Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough one because you can't change, can't rewrite history, but you were an incredible dancer. I didn't once think, oh, she needs to lose weight. Didn't, didn't ever cross my mind. Yeah. No, but the thing is, you know, you know that the, the general public out there wouldn't ever have thought that anybody, I mean, yeah, you, they will notice if somebody's really big, but we're almost never talking about somebody that's really big in these situations no you know no it's, it's relative um and they don't notice that on the whole they notice how you dance yeah exactly so. that is the most and that is the most important thing how you dance i mean ballet today is different it is all about nutrition and longevity and fitness and you know yeah so so it is I do better th- I do you think things have improved mm. now um it's not you know it's never going to go away because there's always going to be a physical aesthetic attached yeah, to the art. Exactly. It doesn't matter what kind of write-ups or TV programs are done on it. This is the way it yeah. is. We're striving for perfection, yeah. which can't be achieved. Nope. And, <laughs> and there's an aesthetic. Yes, it, long legs make a difference to the line. <laughs> they just do, you know, and we can't change that. But I think within a certain aesthetic, we can have more tolerance, mm. I think, and more care for well-being. Yeah. I hope it's changed. I hope I th- so. I think it has. I think it has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm hearing. I hope it is. I mean... And dancers, you know, a lot of dance. It's... In ballet companies, dancers have a lot more access to nutritional advice, to ways to keep themselves strong and fit. Maybe when they've got a period of not working Mm -hmm. or they're injured, they have access to a lot more. That's not true for independent dancers necessarily. No. You know, but for ballet dancers, they're really lucky because a lot of them have a lot of facilities now available to them. Which we didn't have at the start of my career. You know, there was none of that. So things have improved. Yeah. Tell me how you got from the school into the company. I actually don't know the story. So in my second year at the upper school, um, Sad as well as Royal Ballet were looking for people to go on tour. They had a few people injured. And this was would have been like just in the first term we were looking for people to go on tour doing Sleeping Beauty. Um, and I, I got to go to on the most amazing tour. So I was told initially I was going to North America. 
um, and I was doing lilac attendants and um, nymphs and all of the core stuff, yes. small course parts in Sleeping Beauty. And um, then the person that was injured wasn't better in time. So halfway through the tour, they say, actually, you're not going home, you're staying. <laughs> so I, I ended up doing the whole tour, which was nine weeks, North and South America, oh, right wow. down to Brazil and Venezuela and Mexico. I mean, what about that's, that's incredible. Start. That is quite a start. <laughs> and I had to, so during the tour, the rep changed. So we did a lot of Sleeping Beauty, but then they were doing Capelia. So I had three days to learn Capelia friends and <sighs> just do all of that. And just, yeah, did, did loads of, loads of stuff and came back. And I remember saying to my parents, I want to join that company. That's where I want to be. And at the time, the way it worked at the school, I don't know if this is the same now, <laughs> the Royal Ballet Company would kind of have, have first dibs yes. on who they wanted. Uh -huh. And if there was somebody that they didn't want, then Sadler's Wales Royal Ballet wouldn't be able. And <laughs> the dancers weren't part of this conversation at all. So right. the directors would come and watch the grads classes or you know performances and would kind of decide between themselves who was going to get which dancer wow. you know and then you people would just get told at the end of the year you've got a contract with royal they'd never know if Sadler's Wells Royal Ballet would have offered them a contract as well because <laughs> they weren't given that choice you ah. know and and so my parents coming from the theatre world said, well, you need to write to Peter Wright and tell him that you want to join his company. And I went, I can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You know, <laughs> you don't do that. Um, and I then went on tour again. They needed, they were doing Capelia again mm -hmm. and they were doing touring around this country. And so they were like, you need to, we need her again. And off I went again. Um, and then I went to Israel as well. Wow. I did so much as a student before I even joined the company. <laughs> Um, and eventually I kind of well, I was like, actually, maybe mum and dad are right. So they helped me write this letter to Peter saying, you know, I've really loved working with the company and I would really like to join, you know? <laughs> um, and I don't know if anybody had ever done that before. Um, and he did mention it when he gave me a contract. And so, yeah, the, then I, I think it was probably the spring of that year I got told I had a contract. At the same time, I got told I couldn't be in the school show because I wasn't there enough for the rehearsals. Right. I mean, you know, they rehearse the school show for like six months. They like do, that, yeah. So, um, but, you know, I'm like, if I can learn Capelia in three days, mm -hmm. I think I can, you know, but no, it was like punishment. You it know, sounds like it. And yeah. Enjoyed myself. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, I joined after my second year at upper school and was really pleased to join the company but six months later i got told by peter there were about four of us uh -huh. at the same time we got told we weren't going to have our contracts renewed oh so you, when you joined the company in those days you joined on a six month contract before you got like a full one mm -hmm. um and we got told all different reasons but of course with me it was like I really love your dancing but you know mm. the body's not right maybe you should go and maybe you should think about joining a contemporary company because 
doesn't matter so much what you look like. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and so I, as far as I know, I was the only one of us who argued with him. And I just went, I just went, give me more time, you know, give me more time. Give me another six months. So I starved myself for six oh, months, you know, to get my contract, uh, which, you know, just it's counterproductive, but it got me my contract. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, goodness me. So it, so it carried on yeah. throughout your, yeah. your entire yeah. career. But you yeah. know what? I'd do it again, you know? I mean, I mean, <laughs> Damn, that's one of my questions. <laughs> I, I mean, I would change how I handled it. I wish yeah. I could have had more help, yes. more knowledge, mm. better education about nutrition, but I'd still do the career, you know? Yeah. Um, it is a fantastic career yeah. and it's such a privilege. Um, I think you mentioned to me in a previous conversation that we kind of are made to feel like we have to feel privileged, even yeah. if like it, it's, it is a privilege. And of course it is a privilege to be a ba ballerina, but we, we have to think like that instead of just be in the mindset of just working on ourselves to be the best that we can possibly be as dancers. It's just, you know, well, you know, you're replaceable. Yeah. You know, yeah. so don't ever feel like, you know, it is a privilege to be here. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't like that approach. Again, I hope that's changed now, but I'm not sure. No. I mean, I think, yeah, I look back and I think there are lots of things that I wish I could have known. You know, maybe, maybe it's never possible. You know, I think that's just life, isn't it? You know, you wish you could have the wisdom of a 40-year-old when you're 20. And, yes. But... I wish I had allowed myself to accept myself and focus on the good things more and really make the most of the good things yeah. and, and just really enjoy the fact, allowed myself to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I did, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I, I had lots of really enjoyable moments, but there's always this kind of underlying dissatisfaction with yourself, you know? Yeah. And it's, I think it's fairly universal amongst dancers. I'd there's, say so. There's, and it's, I think it's quite a gift to be able to just be very accepting of yourself. Not accepting as in I'm, I'm good enough, you know, and that's, there's no improvement yeah. to be made, but accepting in a in a being kind to yourself mm. you know and and actually just go this is an amazing career and I just need to enjoy it I need to put all my effort into the good side the good parts of exactly. it exactly um that's the I think that's the only thing I would change if I could mm. and do it again and I wish I'd stayed longer but but then it it wasn't right for me at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was so ready to leave. My mental state just couldn't, I could not carry on. But I do have dreams about it. Sometimes I'm on the stage and I wake up and I'm quite emotional and I'm like, yeah. oh. And even being back here in Birmingham today, there's this part of me, this real sort mm -hmm. of emotional pull. It, I mean, people be like, it's Birmingham. But I'm, to us, it's like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Birmingham. Like it holds a piece of my heart. It's a real shame it's not the kind of career that you can 
dipping and out (laughs) I know Um, because I think actually if it were Mm -hmm. so many people would really benefit from doing that yeah just have a bit of a a a break Mm because I think that's what I I needed to have a break but then I figured out that life is actually really fun so I you know so I did I did I did have that um yeah which I don't regret but yeah it would be good if there was this if someone is really struggling mentally there's a lot of external problems going on or even internally Mm. they need a break give them a little breathing space to do that sometimes it's a break sometimes people just need a change and people need to have the courage to go somewhere else Mm. where they might be thought of differently yeah you know because you you do get stuck into that like you're sucked into the one company but actually Mm. there's so many companies Mm. out there and there could be one that's yeah. better suited, like yeah. a partner. You well, know? and exactly going back to like what I was told at 10, you know, just because the Royal Ballet thinks that you're X, Y, Z or mm. you're not right for them, yeah. somebody else might have a totally, another company in another country might have a totally different view of exactly. you, you know, and it's finding the right place. Mm. And that that'll be the right director as well because the company can change according to the director that's in charge. So, yeah. Um, I Lots, think people yeah. shouldn't be put off too, too easily. Definitely, definitely. And for anyone who's coming up, that's yeah. something that they do need yeah. to to feel that they do have the a bit of control, mm. a bit of power. Like it's your career. Yes, yes, it may be in the hands of someone else, but it doesn't have. It doesn't mean that if they say no, it's no everywhere. No, exactly. It's just if you do what you love, mm. you just keep going. Which brings me on to my next question. One day, I mean, I joined the company when you were still there and I can only say it to you now, but I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm in the same room as her. I can't (laughs) even begin to tell you how excited I was and I was trying to play it so cool. I don't think I was cool though, but you were, you were there. It seemed like you were there one day and then suddenly you were kind of gone and I just don't really know what happened. If you're happy to share it, that would be lovely. Yeah. So I, there's, um, Looking back now, I now can trace back to a point where I think something started to go wrong with my thyroid. I was diagnosed hypothyroid later, but now that I know more about that, there's a point at which I can go, oh, something was going wrong. Um, But I didn't know that at the time. We, I'd had a very a particularly stressful year because I'd had an operation on my leg and came back and was doing Juliet and Maggie Hobson in Hobson's Choice, two fantastic roles. But I was, Juliet was really hard for me because it was made very clear to me that quite a few of the staff didn't really think I should be doing it. Um, oh my goodness. Which gave me kind of, it gave me quite a kind of complex, you know, it was really it hard to mm. kind of get through that. And then I went straight into Maggie Hobson and I think I didn't realize until the summer holidays quite how stressful it had been. And I came back and I, I've actually got a passport photo from the, that time. I needed a new passport at that time. And I look at that photo now and I can see my 
eyes have gone puffy. Like right. if I, you look at my face in that photo, it's different to my face now. Right. It's, it's gone all kind of puffy. Right. Um, and what I now think is that, that that was my thyroid. Cause this is what, when, when your thyroid slows down, so I, I suspect I always had a slightly underactive thyroid, Possibly. which is why losing weight was so difficult mm. because it slows down everything, slows down your metabolism. You, you put on weight, you can get a bit puffy um, and cold um, and there's, there's tons of symptoms anyway, but came back and they were casting another ballet and the woman didn't want me in it. She was like first week back of the season and I had put on weight mm. and she didn't want me in it because she didn't like how I looked, you know, not long legs and all of that. Um, and then by the January, I was pregnant. So I decided, I had decided in that autumn term that I wanted to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And having spent so much of my career kind of starving myself, not, not eating very well, I got really conscious about being healthy, you know, <laughs> about making sure I was like, I have to be healthy if I'm going to be pregnant. So that didn't really help. Mm. Um, you know, I was trying to eat really well um, and not starve myself. Yeah, which is impossible um, when you're pregnant because you're always hungry. Anyway. You're always, always hungry. And yeah, and so um, anyway, had the baby came back i had decided when i was going to be back bad bad mistake don't ever do this when you're pregnant and you're a dancer don't make decisions about how long your maternity leave is going to be and when you're going to be back dancing because you cannot predict how you're going to feel what's going to happen what kind of birth you're going to have mm. um but being kind of stubborn like i am i kind of went i'm going to I'm going to do female garde in June, you know, and I'm giving birth in October and didn't take the time to go, you know, just mm. take a bit of time. Are you yeah. ready to go back to work? You know, <laughs> went back in, I think it was like April or something. Right. It took six months um, and had issues. So this, then it transpired. This was my thyroid right. gone up the spout and I had wrist problems. So it, it can cause joint pains and I'd started losing weight, breastfeeding, you know, cause it really helps to lose the weight. And then it just stopped and I couldn't lose any more weight. And this was the thyroid. Yeah. This was the thyroid. Yeah. Was I couldn't lose any more weight. So I had wrist problems and I had, uh, but I still went back to work and I should oh, have, I should have just gone, you know what? My body needs a bit longer. Yeah. It takes you a year to recover from being pregnant. Yeah. It takes your body a year regardless. Mm. Um, some people, they do get back to dancing really soon, yeah. you know, but it still takes your body a year to yes. get back. So I, but I just went, I'm going back. Um, first week back at work, I'm seeing the physio and stuff for my wrist. And first week back at work, I get a message from somebody saying, you, you, you're being called into the director's office. Mm. And I go into the director's office and he basically says, I have no need of you next year and you will be 
<sighs> retiring at the end of the season, which is a few months away, you know, like three months away. Mm. Um, that, oh. You know, and it's, um, I don't think you're in a position when you've, you know, just given birth six months before and you're trying, you know, you've just walked back into the yeah. studio to try and start moving again to argue a lot, you know? No, I guess to I guess kind not. of you're vulnerable. Yeah. Um and you know, I mean, there's a long story there, but I th- there's not a lot you can say to somebody who says basically, I don't want to cast you anymore and I don't think you're up to it anymore. How do you how do you prove that when you've just had a baby you can't that seems a little unfair to me i mean yes you needed more time but they should have have given you more time yeah i should have taken a year but i think do you know what i think you know maybe nobody ever knows when the right time to stop dancing is yeah but after 18 years in the company i think it would have been nice for me to have finished my career on stage that was what i wanted to do i wanted to have a last performance Mm. i wanted i see sometimes you know on instagram and you know on tv sometimes you know you see people's last performances yeah and these days you know there's videos on instagram Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and and i just think that's what makes me so sad is that i i never had that chance to just say goodbye to the thing I'd spent my entire life doing. Yeah. Um, And I think it wouldn't be a lot to ask to give somebody a year's kind of notice and and say, let's find you something nice to do for your last show, you know? Yeah, they Um, they weren't thinking about you and your needs at all. No, or, you know, maybe would you like to spend a year teaching some classes or, you know, if you think at this point, I mean, I'd literally just walked back into the building. So I didn't know even if I was going to get back to dancing, but in my mind, I had this, I was going to come back stronger than ever and, you know, be better than ever. And, and, you know, I think actually people, older dancers have quite a lot to offer. Definitely. You know, and trust your body more. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe just a little bit of leeway. I felt like yeah. after 18 years, maybe I'd earned a little bit of leeway. What about doing some character things while you were getting yourself back? Yes. There's so much that could there's have so much, been done. You know, yeah there's, yeah, there's all sorts that you just, I, it's, it's like you're throwing away a resource, Yeah, you know, and, and it didn't have to end like that. It didn't have to end acrimoniously. It didn't, no. and this is why, I disappeared because there was, I, you know, I was trying to find out my rights for a while. I, I fought it, you know, Goodness for a me. bit and, and then it was the end of the season and then I just never came back. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't get a party. I didn't get a last show. I didn't get, you know, any of those things that you kind of, I used to dream about it, you know, because like, all those years when people leave the company over the years mm-hmm. and, you know, Desmond or Peter would make a speech about them and then they'd get their presents and people would say stuff, you Mm. know, and I would, over the years, you know, you'd think about what am I going to say when I leave or, you know, what, nothing, Nothing. you know, it's all just 
gone, bye, you know? And I, that, that took me a long time. I was to gonna say. It, um, I think it's just, I think for any dancer, the end of the career is really difficult. It's always gonna be difficult mm. because your whole identity is tied up in this career. Um, but when it ends, either traumatically, it might be an injury, yeah. um, you know, or whatever, when it ends abruptly and unplanned, it's even harder yeah. to get over. And I would have dreams, you know, I still have dreams sometimes really? about dancing. Yeah. Um, weird. I still get anxiety dreams sometimes, you know, <laughs> like you, you're, you're supposed to be on stage in two seconds and you haven't got your shoes oh. on, you know, <laughs> I wonder if everybody who's in the dancing has a version of dream like that because I used to have those couldn't get my costume on I didn't have them when I was dancing I've only had them since I stopped it's really weird yeah and and I still have um I would I sometimes I'd hear music you know when it's now I've I've kind of come through it and I can look back more kind of dispassionately, but there were times really close where, you know, it, it felt like PTSD, you know, it, yeah. it, it felt, which I kind of hate saying, because I feel like there are people who've really earned that, you know, as a, as an issue. If you've had your legs blown off in Afghanistan or, you know, you've just seen awful things, you know, and I don't feel like I have a right to, describe what I went through as that, but it's pretty similar, you know, it's, it's the flashbacks, you know, you get, yeah. you get that. And, um, yeah. And I just think people could be more helpful. I would sometimes like hear music, you know, and it would, I'd burst into tears uh, because I it suddenly, you know, it brought back some sort of memory. Yeah. I think I still get very emotional with certain types mm. of music. Romeo and Juliet is something I just can't listen no. to. I just, I'm just like, just that's cry. it. I'm done. Yeah. I couldn't if that if it was on. I mean, it's a beautiful ballet, yeah. and you must go and see if it's on. But Don't I would. Just, I just no. It's you know, it's not. Every, surely every dancer feels like that. I think Romeo and Juliet's one of those ones. That music. The music that, is oh. yes, amazing. Yeah. But I, I think it is post traumatic stress that you went through. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, and it's an issue for all dancers, not just dancers. So this it applies to anybody who's put so much time and motivation and concentration and training and all of that into a career. It becomes their identity. And then that identity's gone. And yeah. it's like, who who am I now? Mm. How do I I don't possibly if you have children Maybe that helps. I don't know because you you do have some new identity yeah. as a mother. Mm -hmm. I think, but also to some extent, I didn't I didn't have the time or the headspace to process it because I had a baby to look after. You know, so yeah. like maybe it took longer because I I just had to get on with things. Yeah, you, you, know? you repressed it, and, yeah, and that's that's the thing when you repress things. It's like a ball that you're just pushing yeah. under the water, and then it just yeah, comes yeah, up totally. when you least yeah. expect it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what did you do afterwards? So, so, you, so you left Panicked and you thought, because yes, how are we going to pay the mortgage? Uh -huh. 
you know people there's there's that as well like, yeah. quite aside from the i was the main bread breadwinner mm. and you know it's like shit, what do we do yeah you know um so i was like well my husband was in the orchestra so he was going on tour still so i was like i need something i can do from home because you know i can't this nursery is really expensive extortionate <laughs> it's like oh god um maybe i can put him into nursery for one day a week you know or, um yeah so that's you know that's a problem for everybody how do you get a job that pays more than the nursery costs um and i just i didn't know what i wanted to do i had kind of all different ideas and that's the other thing about an abrupt ending to a career is you don't have the time and space to think about what you really do want to do. Yeah. Ideally, you should be exploring that in the three or four years before you stop dancing. Yes. It's pretty hard to do that, really, realistically, yeah. Yeah. because the time constraints make mm. it very difficult. But that would be the ideal. Um, and so I thought, well, I just need to do something that will earn some money, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is. And I went to the, I started looking at just businesses, like, what can I, you know, just, I don't know, what can I do? Went to the national franchise exhibition at the NEC. And there I got pointed by somebody to a store, which was, a my mag store and it was this couple from Solihull who had started a local magazine a little a5 magazine <laughs> and it just advertised local businesses and they delivered it to their local area and they basically just sold you a package a business package to help you set up your magazine in your area and i looked at this and i went i guess i can do that <laughs> I, I don't know if they can do it i guess i can do it and so I bought one of these packages and just went home and <laughs> set up a magazine. Um, and you, I mean, at the time, so this is, we're talking, this is 2005, four or five. Yeah. There weren't really online directories in those no. days. Most small businesses did not have a website and they paid a fortune to be in the yellow pages. And so I just went around these local businesses and they gave you some like copies of a sample magazine. I said, I'm going to make a magazine like this. Would you like to be in it? You know? <laughs> and they all said, yes. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's, because there was a, there was a need for mm. it. Um, and I think in Bourneville as well, that was particularly kind of receptive area to it. And I went home and lots of them didn't have any adverts, you know, for their own. So I would design their adverts. That was my favorite. Wow. Was designing the ad. <laughs> the creative know. bit. So yeah, the, you know, the gardeners and then you, you know, you used sort of Microsoft images and it was all done on Microsoft publisher, took it off to a printer and they printed it. And then my husband and my dad and me all went around Bourneville delivering it into oh. letterboxes. And it was really successful. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, and I did that for a bit and then I bought a franchise for an online directory. Very probably, smart. It was probably, well, yes and no. <laughs> it was a little bit early for online directories. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, all the businesses that were in the magazine that really liked the magazine, they liked it because they it actually got delivered rather yeah. than thrown in the canal. Yeah. And 
they like looking, people like looking at their advert. They like having a thing they can hold in their hands and go, that's me. You know? <laughs> I get they that. Like it. I totally yeah, guess it. They like it. Yeah. And um, they didn't want to be on the online directory, hmm. even though it was half the price. <laughs> ah. they were, they were, most of them were really skeptical. I'm not really sure why I need to be on there, let's say, you know, and it's like, which is almost unbelievable now. You know, things have yeah. changed so much. So much. Since like yeah. 2005, mm. six. So that was actually a struggle because it was a proper franchise business and there were franchise fees to pay. And so I made much more money from the magazine than I did from the online directory. Mm -hmm. However, I sold the magazine, which was great. Made a profit, sold the nice. magazine. I'm still proud of that. It's still going. It still gets delivered oh. into my letterbox. So you're an entrepreneur as well, yeah. look at you. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I ran the online directory for a bit. And after a while, I kind of went, why am I in advertising? <laughs> you know, what, what am I doing? You know, is this, is this really what I want to do? And I had, I suppose, I, by this point, I'd maybe, I'd stopped dancing for about five years mm -hmm. or so. And I was, I suddenly realized that I didn't feel like me anymore. You know, right. it's that yeah. identity thing. So I'd, I'd taken on a new identity as a entrepreneur, yes, businesswoman, you know, and and it 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 was it's what I th always thought I would enjoy, but I didn't quite feel like me, you know. Uh, it's like there was a whole side of myself that wasn't being expressed. Yes, and I realised that still really a dancer yeah you know? it never I, leaves you I think you just are you yes. just are a dancer yeah and and I thought what do I do you know and I didn't I didn't fancy going and doing a teacher training course partly because you had to get up and do everything and I didn't think I could cope with being in a ballet studio <laughs> and looking at myself in the mirror and not living up to previous yeah expectations you know I, I just it. didn't I psychologically I didn't think I could go there but I wanted to move I wanted to feel expressive yeah you know and I went down to London and had a gyrotonic lesson with I knew a few dancers who had trained as gyrotonic teachers so I kind of knew a bit about it mm -hmm. and I went down to London and had a lesson and virtually burst into tears during this lesson really because it a because it felt so good mm -hmm. <laughs> you know I just kind of went oh, there, there you are yeah. <laughs> you know this is me mm. you know suddenly it was like oh yeah this is what I'm this is what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to move you know and and also because I realized I should have been doing it my whole career and how useful it would have been um I hadn't been able to, hadn't had the opportunity and kind of made an instant decision that I was going to train as a teacher. Um, at the same time, I was not sure that just teaching something like that was going to be enough for me. Like, I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine just doing that somehow. And so kind of almost at the same time, I applied for the CLAW Leadership Programme. So the CLAW Leadership Programme is like an arts leadership development 
program and you it's funded by the arts council and various other bodies mm -hmm. within the arts world and i knew two previous dancers who'd done so each year they would have one dance fellow so okay be like a museums fellow a theater fellow an arts council fellow you know so they're all sponsored by a different organization and there'd be one dance fellow sponsored by the dancers career development and it sounded really exciting. It sounded great. It, it sounded does. really exciting. Yeah. And it's an amazing program. And I kind of went, yeah, you know, I feel like I'd like to be, I wanted to be in an arts organization, I think. Yeah. I think I had realized that I missed, as most dancers do when they retire, they miss the company. They miss yes. being with these, you spend all your time with these people, really like wait much longer working hours than your average person. Yeah. And so it's like a really big family and suddenly that family's gone, you know, yeah. and you're on your own. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of dancers will say that's what they miss, the, you know, like the dressing yeah, the, room. Yes. The, oh the yeah. The changing room. Mm -hmm. the, and so I applied for the claw thinking, well, I, you know, I might not get that anyway. So, but I'll do the gyrotonic teacher training. And, and I, then I got the claw program and I finished my gyrotonic teacher training and went straight into the claw program, which was amazing. And I did so many, we had so many really good kind of training sessions, courses. I did fundraising training. I did coaching training. Um, we went on secondment to organizations. Um, I went to the RSC for a while and worked on some stuff there and it was brilliant. And what I really wanted was maybe to find an arts organization to work in. But this was just kind of post the 2008 crash, financial uh, crash. Yeah. And it was a really bad time to be looking for a job. And uh, we did laugh, uh, my, my cohort of Claw fellows, we did laugh about the fact that we were probably going to be the most unemployed cohort <laughs> of, oh, yeah. of fellows because it was just, yeah, it was, it was quite, it went on quite a while, that kind of, that recession. And so, you know, the, each job had like over a hundred people applying for it. Yeah. And so I applied for various jobs, to start with in kind of maybe dance related organizations and then some theater organizations and, and got some interviews, mostly didn't even get an interview. Sometimes got an interview and would, that's a horrid process. I, <laughs> I yeah, not having ever done any of this applying for a job before and trying to write a CV and then getting questions. About oh no. Things. Yeah. And mostly what they said was that you don't have enough experience in the area that you're applying for. Which it's like, give me a chance. Well, yeah, you know, well, <laughs> surely everybody at some point has no experience, you know. And exactly. but the but the the lower down job was that I applied for. So they gradually got less and less ambitious, the things <laughs> I was applying for. Then they then they would say I was overqualified. You know, oh, goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. And it just, it was, that was a really demoralizing process. And there's, I think there's only so long you can really keep optimistically applying for a job and kind of imagining yourself into a whole new scenario 
and then not getting it and then applying for another one and not and quite often not even finding out why you know mm. and and in the end I just went forget it I'm going to stop trying to get somebody else to employ me I'm going to employ myself good move and I'm just gonna teach my gyrotonic and I can do that and I don't have to ask anybody I just do it yes you exactly know? I don't exactly. have to persuade anybody that <laughs> I can or that they should employ me I just do it that's amazing um and so then I just, I focused on the gyrotonic. Mm. So tell me a bit about the gyrotonics. I'm sure there's people who are listening and going, what is that? What is that? <laughs> so it was invented by a dancer back in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. And it's, there are some very simple ways to describe it, which is sort of like yoga on a machine. Nice, yeah. Um, or Dancing with machines, I think. That's a good <laughs> hashtag on Instagram. I yes. That, dancing with machines. It's essentially, it is a mind-body movement practice. It can, it's very, very adaptable. So you can have somebody who doesn't move at all, you know, who sits at a desk all day, doesn't do any exercise, mm -hmm. you know. And you're helping them with their posture and breathing. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of breath work in it, but it's about moving. So it differs from some other practices in that everything keeps moving. Mm, it's very circular. Nice. It's very flowing, lots of spirals, which is why dancers love it. Cause it, yeah. it kind of feels a bit like dancing. Yes. You know? Yeah. And yeah, dancers always love it and all dancers should do it really i i found out so much about how i use my body that i wish i'd known wish i'd known when i was dancing so much i don't think i learned how to do abdominal exercises properly until i did my training really yeah so when i was dancing i used to i used to do sit-ups you know desperate to get that six pack um but I would always hurt my hip flexors. Right. Oh, my hip flexors just would, you know, they'd do all the work. And it wasn't until I was doing this training that I kind of finally worked out why and was able to do abdominal work in a different way and went, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's are. how you do it. You know, <laughs> suddenly my hip flexors don't hurt and I can do abdominals and yeah, yeah. just like, so many things I wish I'd known. So is it mostly dancers that come to you? It's, I probably about half and half. Really? Yeah. So it's difficult for the dancers to get away from work and have yeah. a big enough gap that mm. they can come to the studio and do a session and get back again. I think they would more would do it if they didn't have to travel um, to me. But then I have, you know, just ordinary people who maybe hate going to the gym. They don't want to do that kind of stuff. I purposely don't have any mirrors in my studio mm -hmm. because it's not about what you look like. It's about what it feels like. I love that. And yeah, it's really, it's, it's quite nice having this really wide variety of people, you know? So uh, with the dancers, we can get into the real kind of nitty gritty, fine technical stuff. Yeah. Um, they can do some of the really hard exercises. And then you have somebody that you're literally just teaching them to open their chest and put their shoulders back. You know? <laughs> and it's, and it, but sometimes for those people, the smallest thing can have the most 
huge impact. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, is is it helpful for injuries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. There's there's lots of stories about people, you know, recovering from hip replacements, um, even avoiding hip replacements by doing wow. this kind of well because it's wow. about balance through the body. It's very the the way I work and the way the the system works really is that even with an injury you're not just focusing on that area, that bit that's painful. It's always about integrating the whole body because we're a whole system. You know, nothing works in isolation. And so you're always looking for balance through the body and spreading the load so Mm -hmm. that everything works. Yeah. And and coordination. You know, dancers take coordination for granted. (laughs) But it just basic coordination can be quite a challenge yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? And when you've got an injury, you get even more unbalanced because, you know, you have a knee injury, the other side takes all the strain. Yeah. You know, and you start walking strangely, so your back hurts, you know. And mm. So, yeah, and it's you can adapt the system so that, I mean, I have a, a client who's in a wheelchair, you know. That's incredible. You, you can adapt the system to anybody. And obviously what I do with her is completely different to what I do with the dancers. Yeah. And it depends on the person that walks into the room. So part of it is about kind of sensing what you think they are in need of, you know? Yeah. Um, And what they're like that day, you know? So I might have a client who one day walks in and they're ready to kind of really push themselves and do some stuff, stuff, tough stuff, you know? (laughs) And the, the next day they might, the next time they might walk in and they're seriously stressed, you know, whatever it is has yeah. happened in their day or their week and they're really stressed and actually they just need to relax, you know? And so that day it might be that we're lying on the floor and we're doing breathing and we're bringing the system down, calming it down and just allowing them to de-stress. That's really good. So, I love yeah, that. And it's so depends. personal. Yeah, yeah totally, I think it's yeah. really lovely and probably really nice for you because you found a way to be creative to, for it to be simply about how you move and feeling confident in your own skin, not about the ex- yeah. exterior. Like It's the perfect thing for you to do. And for, because of your understanding of how painful it can be to always be judging how you look, you're going you're gonna to understand other people mm-hmm. and you'll probably – get a feeling of them like you know it's a good job they don't have the mirrors because we need them to think about how they are internally and how they move and that's it nothing else yeah yeah I I I had a client who was um a very large lady you know yeah she didn't want to go to the gym because she felt everybody was just looking at her you know yeah she was trying to lose weight but she She didn't like going into these environments where she felt she was being judged, you know? So she loved the fact that she could just come in here and it was, it was, you know, there was nothing she couldn't do. We did, everything was adapted, you know, to suit her. And it was just about how she felt and feeling good because, you know, if you, I think if you're trying to lose weight, if you've got a lot of weight to lose, the barrier of feeling bad about yourself is quite a big one to get over yeah so that should never be underestimated the power of making people feel good about themselves Mm. 
And it's a really good incentive to carry on as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Although I do love teaching the dancers. <laughs> of I, course. I do feel when I'm teaching the dancers that I'm using all of my kind of knowledge. Yeah. And don't and, expect too much from me today, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 but, you know, well, yeah. I mean, I, I had stopped dancing for six years when I started doing this. So, you know, and I kind of, I, one of the reasons that I was virtually in tears was, I wish I could have been doing this when I was really in shape because that would have been, there's things I can't do now that I could have done if I'd done it 20 years ago. Mm. And actually the, for me as a teacher, the hardest thing was teaching non-dancers. So that was a really steep learning curve. Working out what I did when I'm faced with somebody who has no coordination and is not aware of where their limbs are going and what they're doing with them, you know? And I was just like, oh, I don't know what to do. How do I, how do I get this person? You know, so that was, that was for me the, the most valuable training I've had has been all the kind of the therapeutic stuff, yeah. learning to deal with people who aren't dancers. Mm. For other teachers, being faced with a dancer is scary because they just like, oh my God, they can do everything. It's, you know, they yeah. don't need any help. Um, yeah I don't mind I'm I'm because I can see all the cheats that the dancers do <laughs> oh yeah I had many cheats I think all dancers oh, do we all don't do. we yeah, we, yeah, we all yeah, have totally, our little yeah. our little cheats you have to yeah. because you know when you got you just I mean, gotta get up and do it haven't yeah, you somehow you do, you do you do but it's interesting what you're saying about the overcompensating I, I know a lot of people who are injured and then they're like their other hip is going and th things like that and my my knee was playing up towards the end of my career and I'm convinced it's because my left leg is very slightly shorter than my right leg but also my rotation on my right leg was mm. better than my left so um, it was having to do a hell of a lot of work yeah. so it pulled on my knee like I could see it now it's quite an interesting thing that the the balance so we all love symmetry really and I as a dancer I can get quite hung up on <laughs> symmetry. Yeah. And I've kind of had to train that out of myself. So a lot of my trainers have talked about working with injured people. Does, doesn't matter if things are different. If that's the turnout on that leg, mm -hmm. that's the turnout on that leg. Yeah. And if that's that one, that's that. Yeah. And they don't have to be the same. And I'm going, what? They don't have to be the same? <laughs> <laughs> The circle doesn't have to be the same on both legs. What are you talking about? But yeah, it is yeah. what it is. So you're just going to your capabilities. You're not pushing yeah. past. You're not always trying to make somebody symmetrical. What you're trying to do is find enough balance that the body can work itself mm. out. We aren't symmetrical. We're just, yeah. we're not. And, you know, we can function. <laughs> we, you know, we, we function without oh, being yeah. symmetrical. But what you want is to just try and find as much ease through the body as is possible. Yeah. Now, when you're dancing, it's, it's always a little bit different because, yes, you're trying to get, you know, sometimes you're in a line and you're all supposed to have your leg the same height. And if, for you, that is your leg that's, it's difficult to get it up yeah. to that high. You cheat to achieve it. You do. You know, so you we do. do. And I think yeah. then it's about 
that's what you do on stage. And when you're not on stage and you're in class or you're doing your body conditioning and your other work, that's when you find the right balance through the body. Definitely. So that you don't cheat all the time. Yeah. You cheat when you absolutely have to Mm. because you've got to achieve a certain position, but then you rebalance your body. I think that's outside of performing. Mm, Because I definitely cheated all the time. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really good thing to 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 learn i'm gonna have to wrap this up because yes. we i mean we we could just talk about this for <laughs> hours and hours days and days but i just wanted to ask like a couple of questions signing off questions so what are you most grateful for oh that's a big one mm-hmm. um <laughs> well i suppose when i was very little like about three, I saw a ballet on TV. And apparently the story goes that I pointed at the TV and I said, I want to do that. Um, And I got to do it. You know, it's, you don't often meet people really in the rest of the world who've kind of actually got to do their dream. Yeah. You know, they've actually, and and I did. And there were lots of things not right about it. There were lots of things that could have gone better. But I still, you know, it's it's still better than having lived my whole life going, I wish I could have done that. Yes. Oh, you know, I meet people all the time who say, I really wanted to be a ballet dancer, you know, but, you know, I got told I was too tall or... Like, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. or they just never went to classes, yeah. or, you know, or whatever it is, not necessarily ballet, maybe they wanted to be a singer or they wanted to be an astronaut or, you know, whatever. Yeah. People have dreams all the time that are never fulfilled. And yeah, it's pretty cool, actually, I think, to go, I did it. Yeah, know? exactly. It wasn't perfect, but I did it. You did it. <laughs> and the final question. If you could give any advice to performers and ballet dancers in the next generation, what would it be? Oh, so much. (laughs) So much. Maybe just a couple of things. Um, Really learn to be kind to yourself and appreciate, regardless of what other people say, learn to appreciate your body as a tool for artistic expression that would be number one and then really don't let the fear stop you like go for it absolutely go for it you don't want to be 40 years old and realize you should have just given it that bit more or taken that extra risk or I don't know, just dared a bit more that really go for it. Leave it all out there because, you know, what's the worst can, that can happen? Exactly. It's just dancing and it's not going to kill you. And, you know, so put it all out there. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable to become an artist because I think I spent too long worrying 
you know, about just not being perfect or, you know, not, not being quite right, mm-hmm. you know, and I, if I could just take that away, that I think that, yeah, be vulnerable, yeah. be daring, don't be scared. I think that's amazing. Oh, Dorcas, <laughs> I've, I've loved it today. I, oh. <laughs> I'm in awe. You can tell. I'm like, I'm trying to, still trying to be the cool girl, but you know, no, thank you so much for your time today. I've absolutely loved it. It's been great to chat. Thank you so much. Dorcas, thank you so much for showing me your beautiful studio and for the wonderful chat. I'm an even bigger fan now. What an absolute inspiration to the performing arts industry. Although the chat had some upsetting moments, I left feeling so uplifted. Dorcas is proof that you can find something you love that's within the industry. I was so lost for so long because I left without knowing what I really wanted to do next. But if you do have the luxury of time to start thinking about your next career, I'd strongly advise it. Please do keep supporting the show by clicking the subscribe button. It really does help and it means a lot to me. My next show is the Valentine's special, another fabulous guest. Stay tuned and bye for now.